Over the past couple of years, a slew of weather disasters have afflicted the United States and shown how fragile our energy system truly is. From electrical grids to solar panels, wind farms to coal. And we're still getting so much of our power from aging infrastructure that, oh yeah, is pretty bad for the planet. Add a clapback by Mother Nature and zap, no power for days. I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. Today, we talk about our energy future as climate change keeps creating more extreme weather. Better call up the ghost of Nikola Tesla because we're going to need an energy miracle and fast. It's times like these that we fall back on our monthly panel apparel, my colleagues of catastrophe, these experts of emergencies who try to give us solace in these very, very dark and hot times. Yep, it's time for our Masters of Disaster. Musica Maestro. As usual, we have our trio of terror. First and foremost is our earthquake wizard who also dabbles in COVID-19 reporting, Ron Lynn. Ron, will I jinx if if I say thank you for no big earthquakes in California this past month? Yes, because the last time I did a story on California's earthquake drought, we had the biggest earthquake in 20 years in the state. Great. Thanks a lot, Ron. Next up, our watchdogs of wildfires, Alex Wigglesworth. When do you think the wildfires are going to end this year, Alex? Maybe next year. Ay, ay, ay. Oy vey. And our Cassandra of the Coast, Rosanna Shaw, is busy building a castle for sand crabs somewhere near Monterey. So we welcome a new member to our mod squad, Sammy Roth. He covers energy for the LA Times and writes our weekly Boiling Point newsletter. Sammy, how does it feel to be part of our Calamity Club? Well, I mean, a lot of the stuff I write tends to freak people out, so I guess I feel like I belong here. (laughs) One of us, one of us, one of us. Okay, energy, the true marker of mankind's dominion over nature. But hold on to your hand-cranked radio. As we've recently seen in the continued aftermath of down power lines from Hurricane Ida, energy isn't permanent. We also saw this year how ice storms in Texas and wildfires in California can make the lights turn off just like that. So, Sammy, why is it so hard to do something as simple as keep them on? Well, I mean, it is kind of this miracle, right? I mean, the fact that you have to generate the electricity at the exact moment it's used. So all over the state, all over the country, like there has to be this crazy constant balance between supply and demand. And we've been doing it for like 100 years. And the truth is, I think it's never been perfect. I mean, it was just 10 years ago last week that millions of people in Southern California, folks might remember this, it was like 115 out in the desert and the power went off. And, you know, that didn't have anything to do with climate change or renewable energy. That was just a mistake on the power grid. So it's never been easy. But the fact is, it's getting worse. I mean, you said climate change. It's like, you know, we're getting worse heat waves. So people are using more air conditioning, which is straining the grid. You know, we're doing this transition to try to get more energy from solar and wind, which are great for addressing climate change, but aren't there all the time. And that creates challenges. So, uh, you know, you said we need an energy miracle earlier. I I don't know that we need a miracle at this point so much as a a little good luck combined with some smart decisions. Good luck. Geez, if that's all it needed, we'd have so much energy. But we have the sun, right? The Biden administration says they have a plan that can get the U.S. to produce nearly half of its electricity via solar power by 2050, which obviously means it's going to happen. 
it's not so guaranteed, of course. I mean, one thing to keep in mind, in California right now, we are getting more than a third of our power from renewable sources, which is mostly solar and wind. If you add in you know, nuclear and hydropower and, and other stuff that doesn't cause climate change, you get up to more than half. There's definitely a route to get the fossil fuels and the emissions off the power grid. And we're learning in California right now that it's a challenge. It's hard to do. We're having trouble keeping the lights on in the evening after the sun goes down. But you know, like I said, there are technologies to do it. And I think we need to make some smarter decisions. But rolling blackouts aren't anything new. I'm an old man, so I remember the rolling blackouts of the early 2000s that arguably helped get California Governor Gray Davis recalled from office. And after he left, we were promised improved energy, more plants. And here we are at this point, 20 years later, and we're still suffering rolling blackouts. Yeah, it's it was a little different back then, right? Because what, what happened with that was I mean, we did this deregulation of the electricity system and Enron gamed the system and all these market manipulators. And frankly, those blackouts and that threat was a lot worse than what we have right now. It's like, yeah, I know that they're turning off the power to stop wildfires and we're having these, you know, what happens after the solar goes off. But these are real problems, but it's not like we haven't for other reasons that have nothing to do with this had these, you know, challenges and, and sometimes even worse. The 11th California commandment, when all else fails, always blame Texas. We'll have more after this break. Alex, when I think about energy and wildfire, there's two big issues surrounding it in the West in recent years. The first is how faulty power lines keep sparking those infernos that destroy so much and even kill people. Sure. Power lines have been responsible for some of our biggest and most destructive fires, like the campfire that destroyed the town of Paradise in 2018. Authorities report more remains were found Tuesday in the grim search of scorched earth from the campfire, the deadliest wildfire in California history. The list of unaccounted for has dropped to about 700, but that number fluctuates as some people are located and others are reported missing. Single residents damaged 216. Destroyed, 9,700. Multiple residents. Damaged, 16. Destroyed, 144. Pacific Gas and Electric Company, the utility that supplies power to much of Northern California, actually pleaded guilty to manslaughter in connection with those deaths. And PG&E power lines might have also started this year's Dixie Fire, which is the second largest in California history. Gosh, PG&E pleading to manslaughter. That is huge. And then that relates to the other energy-related issue, which is when these electric companies know that their lines and power stations can spark wildfires, they just turn them off during our hottest days. Voila, thousands of people don't have powers for hours. So instead of fixing them, let's just punish our consumers. Right, because a lot of the time, the hottest days in California come in the late summer and fall, when we also start to get these Santa Ana or Diablo wind events. And when it gets windy and dry, utilities do what they call public safety power shutoffs in certain areas. They turn off their equipment to avoid sparking fires. Now, of course, customers hate these shutoffs. They're disruptive. They can also be dangerous. People aren't able to cool their homes. People who rely on medical equipment can be in trouble. It can be harder to stay on top of emergency alerts, which is not good if you're in an area where a fire does break out. And utilities say these shutoffs are going to continue to be necessary because of climate change and drought. Conditions are so hot and dry, any spark that lands in vegetation could start a fire that quickly grows into something dangerous. 
But there are also critics who say we need to keep a close eye on these utilities to make sure they're not using shutoffs as a substitute for making sure their equipment is well-maintained and that they're doing things like regular inspections and tree trimming. The Public Advocates Office is an organization within the California Public Utilities Commission that looks out for rate payers, and they've raised this, saying that PG&E needs to come up with a better plan for reducing the need for these public safety power shutoffs. Um, and by the way, these shutoffs are different from the statewide rolling blackouts to conserve energy during heat waves that you mentioned earlier. Those happen when everyone is running their air conditioner at once, basically, and the demand is too much for the grid. Alex, one thing I find really interesting about that, it, it's such a PG&E problem. I mean, I know they have like, you know, the worst service territory of all the utilities in terms of fire risk and forests, but like San Diego Gas and Electric down at the southern end of the state, you know, They've in a lot of ways addressed this. They've made really big investments in their infrastructure over the last 15 years since they had some big fires. And they, they've had very little need for this, even though they do have a lot of backcountry territory. So Edison has had to do some of it, too. They've, they've been far from perfect. But it's like this in a lot of ways is really a PG&E issue, too. Ron, whenever I think of earthquakes, I remember the story you did back in 2019 when two huge earthquakes, magnitude 6.4 and 7.1, hit the city of Ridgecrest and the tiny desert town of Trona on 4th of July weekend in California. And you wrote back then there was enough energy in the second trembler to equal that of 45 atomic bombs. Damn. This is not a conspiracy theory. I'm not asking this jokingly. But has anyone ever tried to harvest all that earthquake energy as a renewable source? <laughs> I haven't heard about that. All we need is a, is a time machine to go figure out when the next earthquake's going to happen so we can capture that, right? But, I mean, you're having tremblers all the time, You're especially in the San Andreas Fall. You're always having some sort of little energy. I'm surprised that no one has even... Am I reading too much Chariots of the Gods or something? I thought maybe someone had done that. Oh, I, I have no idea. It would be quite the thing to ingest all of that energy all at once. And Tammy, didn't you just say that we need to use the energy right as soon as we capture it or generate it? Yeah, I, I think you'd need some really intense energy used to put that to all at once. Like, I don't know, maybe to run the, uh, the Fermi reactor or something. Oh, man. Here I thought I had finally found the solution to our energy problems. Anyways, sadly... Actually, earthquakes also have the terrible possibility, Ron, of cutting off power to the entire Western United States for a long time. That's right. There's this hypothetical scenario of the big one, of a massive magnitude 7.8 quake on the San Andreas. And it could create the sudden interruption of high-voltage interstate transmission of electricity, and all of the Western U.S. could lose power. Now, this is a big concern because... While other states might get their power within a few hours, in Southern California, it could be much harder and it could take several days to recover if a complete system blackout did occur. One thing to also keep in mind, too, is that it's not just electricity that we need to worry about. One of the key places that separates Southern California with the rest of the nation is this place called the Cajon Pass. This is the mountain pass that a lot of us travel through when we're driving to Vegas. It's not only home to the San Andreas Fault, it's also home to a lot of pipelines that carry fuel and natural gas. And when you combine that with the overhead electricity lines, boom, a, a giant crater could happen. And that is a thing that could also block our ability to get fuel after a quake. Uh, do we have a crater master of disaster yet to talk about that or an explosions one? That is absolutely frightening. Sammy, uh, what Ron was talking about, this nightmare scenario, did we see a smaller version of that this past year with what happened in Texas with uh, weeks-long blackouts there than what recently happened in New Orleans, or was that something different? Well, I mean, it wasn't earthquake-related, but sort of. I mean, you had these big, you know, 
weather disasters, uh, you know, the hurricanes, the cold snaps, uh, climate change probably has something to do with these weather patterns where Texas gas pipelines were freezing and people couldn't get fuel for power plants and wind turbines were freezing. And in Louisiana, power lines were knocked down by the winds and the storm and, and you know, people lost power for days. So, um, yeah, this is happening in real life. And in fact, one thing I'd say about it at uh, renewable energy, there's big solar farms and big wind turbines and power lines and stuff, but there's also small stuff. And I think that this is sort of part of the argument of everyone should have a rooftop solar panel on their home and a battery in their garage and little community microgrids that can separate out. That could actually be really useful in this scenario where the, you know, the grid gets taken down by, by weather. People could generate their own energy locally and, and hopefully keep at least some stuff powered. As you see across the Western U.S., are energy providers ready for climate change? Also, are they just ready for the increasing number of natural disasters like earthquakes and wildfires? No, I mean, nobody's ready. And, and to be fair to, you know, all the utilities out there, I mean, it's unprecedented. But uh, if, if they're not, you know, hurrying as fast as they can to get ready now, they're really screwing it up. Oh, wonderful. What a great segue for this question for all of our masters and all of y'all are actually, despite this doom and gloom at the end, you try to really assure us and say we're not doomed. But the West is on fire now, basically year round. You keep having more deadly heat waves overwhelm the grid. We have air conditioning, not just Alex. All of us have air conditioning one way or another. I just installed air conditioning as well. There's not enough water to power our hydroelectric dams. Everything we're trying to do, climate change is, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be enough. So to each of our masters, how are we not screwed when it comes to our energy? Well, the way I think about it is that we have choices. It's not actually impossible to go a long way towards fixing this stuff. We have technologies like solar and wind and batteries. We have uh, you know, the ability to get our minds around this, to, to do things in industry and agriculture, to reduce emissions, to harden ourselves, to invest in the grid. Like, we have the ability to do this stuff. Obviously, we're not doing it in the way that we need to do. But I think to just throw up your hands and say, oh, we're, you know, we're doomed. We're never going to make the good choices kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm, interesting. Ron? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting to me because it's not just the U.S. that's facing this. I mean, in places like Taiwan and Japan, there's like a big debate over the future of nuclear power. I mean, a lot of nuclear power was seen as radioactive, <laughs> um, you know, after the Fukushima disaster. But then you kind of have to figure out, like, what do you replace that power with? Do you replace that with power that causes more carbon emissions? So it's just it's a kind of a situation that I think a lot of places around the world are having to confront. Wow, I just realized that you try to make a joke with radioactive and it's actually very well played. I feel dumb for not getting it, but still, if Rosanna was here, she would say it was corny, Ron. But Alex, on your end, how are we not screwed when it comes to PG&E and all these other people making these sparks that create these wildfires? Um, well, when it comes to fire, something that gives me hope is that there are some really smart people working on these issues. Um, almost every day I talk to scientists and researchers who are studying big fires and what we can do to be more resilient. So, for example, they're studying how fires grow to be so large, what is causing them to be so destructive and spread so rapidly, and also how they affect the ecosystem um, once they burn through and what's left behind. Um, and that's not to say we should just sit back and let them handle it. Like Sammy said, there are steps that everybody probably should be taking, but I still take comfort in the fact that there are people 
a lot smarter than I, who are putting their minds towards solving these issues. Slowly but surely, we'll get to a place where we have some hope. We'll have more after this break. And as is our tradition with Masters of Disasters, after all the talk of doom and gloom, we have to end with joy. So as our newest master, Sammy, tell us, what's bringing you joy right now? So I just got back to L.A. from a hiking and camping trip to Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks, uh, backpacked the Teton Crest Trail, 42 miles in four days. It was beautiful out there. It was a good reminder of, you know, what's worth saving on this planet. And at the same time, there was wildfire smoke in the air from California and Oregon, uh, which was not fun to breathe and look at. So uh, also a reminder about what we, uh, we got to do. We need pure and adulterated joy, Sammy, not reminders of the doom and gloom that we're at. I gave you my hope with a little sadness. I'm giving you my sadness with a little hope. It goes both ways. Boom, mic drop right there. That's a master we like. Alex, what's bringing you joy? So California actually has wild zebras. And I was able to see them for the first time recently when I took a drive up the coast with my dog, Steve. They live near Hearst Castle in San Simeon. Apparently, they came from uh, William Randolph Hearst's private zoo, which was disbanded in the 1930s. And they've just lived there up on the hills above uh, PCH Pacific Coast Highway ever since. And some locals really hate them, apparently. They say they terrorize their horses and steal the horses' food. But it was really cool and surreal to be able to see them there. Are they being like an invasive species like kudzu or something? Or they're just like hanging out doing their thing? I mean, I guess they're invasive in that they're bothering the horses, maybe. But they've been there for a long time. And then finally, Ron, what's bringing you joy? So this is very boring, but the joy of going into a movie theater and watching a, a comic book movie, um, I was able to watch uh, Shang-Chi recently. And it was just it was just such a great joy to just do something, you know, normal, <laughs> albeit with my N95 mask strapped to my face. But it just felt so nice just to do something that felt a little bit normal. I think that's going to be my first return to a movie theater as well. I haven't done it, but I, I don't think I can help myself. All our masters give us joy sprinkled with a dash of caution because those are the times that we live in. I asked Rosanna Shah, our other master, for her joy, and she promised more jokes next month that will probably make you groan. That's what her words, not mine. I will make sure to top her with even worse jokes. And that's it for our Masters of Disasters, our monthly series with our LA Times reporters of Ruin. Thank you. Ron Lynn covers earthquakes. Alex Wigglesworth on the Wildfires Beat. And Sammy Roth covers all things energy. Thank you, Masters. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Gustavo. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, the results of California's gubernatorial recall election. Our newsroom will burn the midnight oil. Hey, old school energy. They're going to burn it all night to get you the latest results. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, Ashley Brown, and Marina Peña. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. And special thanks to Hiba El Orbani. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us the Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. 
We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and this madre. Gracias.